We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. And so he so he totally owned me, by the way, yeah. I mean, like completely like that's the worst way he could have responded because he, you know, completely sloughed off my criticism, my undue teenage criticism um, and and said, thanks for being a fan. So uh, Aranda Gaston has definitely owned me online and, and, I, and I'm not so mad about it, honestly. It's January 99 Bill's Dolphins. This is Remember That Game, the podcast about sporting events that take you on a journey and maybe chart the path of the zeitgeist. I'm your host, Thomas Emmerich, and my guest is Danny Carter, co-host of Living the Stream, owner of Draft Day Consultants, and a Dolphins fan since at least the second Clinton administration. Welcome, Danny. Hey, Thomas. Thanks for having me. I, I, uh, I'm excited to talk about my former Dolphins fanhood. And, uh, yeah, it's a podcast for both the people who know or wonder what a Bernie Parmalee is. So it's, it's a podcast for a couple niches, I'm told, combines into a very large demo. Um, right. Oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, you, you got you got at least 15 people who are wondering what a Ber- Bernie Parmalee is. <laughs> and, uh, Denny, my first question, with what kind of clarity do you remember where you were when the Dolphins hosted the Bills that fateful wildcard weekend? That's a, That's a great question. So... Um, this was Marino's second to last year, if I remember correctly, because the next season was when they were basically executed by the Jaguars in the playoffs. Um, uh, and so I, I think that, so this is January 99. So this is in the 98 season. Um, so I would have been at this point, I would have been in my family room, uh, watching on a very like crude big screen tv it was like like a monstrous thing from the 90s uh, that my dad bought for some reason well i know why but um uh and we were probably watching that together yeah i'm gonna kind of lean on some of your expertise with this one here from listening to your podcast uh, living the stream i know this kind of played a significant role in your upbringing which Mm -hmm. nfl coach had the best head of hair in the 1990s (laughs) there's only one one answer to that thomas and that's jimmy johnson my (laughs) My my dad has probably spent a, like a decent percentage of his life talking about Jimmy Johnson's hair. Like my dad's sixty six or sixty five, and I would say that he's probably spent a total of like six months out of that sixty five years talking about <laughs> Jimmy Johnson's hair. He was obsessed in the eighties and nineties with Jimmy Johnson's hair. 
uh, you know, mostly because you know, as as he was losing his, Jimmy Johnson oh. was keep was keeping all this. It looked like actually Jimmy Johnson was growing hair in the <laughs> 90s. His hair is only getting stronger, uh, which gives hope for any of us who are hitting our four, <laughs> when we hit our forties and fifties. We're like, yeah, I mean, uh, just on a on a personal level, I never really got the appeal because though he had a big thick head of hair, um, he always has cut it like it's 1972. <laughs> um, and uh, and what I mean by that is that it's all the same length on the top and the sides. And it's like poofed out everywhere. Uh, like it just, you know, he looks like he should be on the show Dallas. And I'm, I'm, not, even, <laughs> I'm not even making a Cowboys joke. He actually just looks like he should be on that show. <laughs> yeah, especially uh, in that playoff game, Dolphins Bills. It's a very windy day, uh, upper teens and in, in the miles per hour winds. And yeah. his hair starts to look like Alec Baldwin's in like the early seasons of 30 Rock. Yeah. Which is. Yeah right. No no, it's not it's not horrible. But you're right. I remember when the wind would blow. Um, you could see that Jimmy Johnson was physically uncomfortable uh, with the way that his hair would be messed up. And you know, I feel I feel that pain. I mean, on a windy day, I actually angle my body so that so that it doesn't mess up my hair too badly. Jimmy seems to have those thoughts on his mind during the game when I was uh, rewatching some of it. Still looks like objectively good. Mm-hmm. Um, but first half. There's not as much product in there as he wanted. The hair is down in front of it on his forehead. He comes out halftime, and it seemed kind of gelled hastily in different directions. And then when Eric Moulds catches a 30-yard pass in triple coverage on the sideline when Bills are driving for the tie, the camera cuts right to Johnson, and he's ready. He has his hand over his hair. And gets and has the hair in place immediately because he knows the camera's cutting to him after you know Eric Mould yeah. has has broken the postseason record. Oh, did did he break the record that day? Yep, still stands. Well, what, what was it? It was like two forty, I think. Oh, good God! That was the, that was the the secondary anchored by Brock Marion, if I remember correctly. Yep. And uh, Patrick Sertan, Sam Madison, rookies. Sam um, Madison, yeah, yeah. And yeah, and they had Trell Buckley too, who uh, is more of a veteran than. Yeah, he was a slot corner at the time, I think. Okay, yeah, Buckley uh, forced the fumble on Mold. Like first play of the game, Flutie hit Molds for like a sixty-yard pass, and oh. uh, Buckley knocked out the fumble uh, on that play. There, maybe it goes differently. By quarter four, Jimmy Johnson had his fourth different hairstyling, and and it was it was finally totally right on that on that last Molds catch to you know, put the, the Bills in position to potentially go ahead. So the, the back to like the origins of this game, the, did the, the Dolphins came in as the, obviously as the home team, they had won the, the East, right? Is that, uh, is actually, that, uh, that's what I thought. There's so many things about this game that I thought. And then I, I was like, looked, and I was like, wait, what? The AFC East sent four playoff teams what? that season. They had four of the six playoff teams. That's, that's wild. So they had all the teams. Cause it was just, no, no, no. It was five teams back then. Yeah, yeah. It's a three divisions. I think five or six in each division. Right. Because so it, it used to be Colts, Jets, Bills, Patriots, Dolphins, Bills. I'm sorry. Yeah. I, I've used Bills twice. Um, Colts, Jets, Dolphins, Patriots, Bills. Yeah. The Colts and uh, Banning went thir- or three and 13. And the rest of them just like, I guess, dropped yeah. down the Colts and then did well out of division in that division you have two coaches who would spring a whole 
coaching tree of lib owners and Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells <laughs> and so, that are still here today. You got, you got uh, Mike Zimmer coming out of the Parcells tree, and Kareem Abdul-Jabbar for the Dolphins and Curtis Martin for the Jets you know, between Jimmy Johnson and Bill Parcells love to run, run the ball. The only two running backs, two of the three running backs that season with lo- lower than 3.7 yards per carry to still get yeah, still get more than 200 carries. You know, that would spring, uh, you know, Mike Zimmer, Bill Belichick. You know, so you got Mike Zimmer, very high T. Mm-hmm. Bill oh. Belichick is sometimes high T. Yeah, yeah. He, he's like, whatever you think my T level is, that's what I'm not. Like that. Yeah. Jimmy Johnson tree, where you have Dave Wanstead coming out of that. I guess and ended up taking over for Jimmy Johnson when he, yeah. I guess he, he quit after the uh, Jaguars game, right? He, and then during right. the Dave Winston period, is probably where your, your fandom fell off. Well, yeah, but you know, I believed in in those Wanstead teams. I thought that the Dolphins made an incredible uh, recovery from Jimmy Johnson bailing after his absolutely failed tenure with the team, um, uh, and, and that's something that's obviously overlooked because Jimmy Johnson had a couple uh, successful teams, successful years in Dallas. And that's it. That's it for him. Um, uh, not bitter at all. And then, you know, you have Marino retiring, which, thank God, I mean, he should have retired probably in like 1996, honestly. Um, even before that, really. Probably with the Achilles, he should have retired. The um, And they they bring in Fiedler just for just for like the camp competition, basically, um, to the heir apparent, um, Heward. Heward was the heir apparent to Marino. And Heward uh, crapped his pants so bad in the preseason that they had they were forced to start Fiedler. So they start Fiedler, they play real really conservatively uh, with Wanstead. They win nine or ten games every year. Um, I I I believed I believed in that in that team for a while, and then of course um, things really fell apart uh, when they they went they signed AJ Feely. I don't know if you remember him. Oh yeah, but they, they signed AJ Feely as like the answer for at quarterback. Like like okay, Feeler didn't work out. We we couldn't win more than one playoff. They won one playoff game with Feeler, so they they signed Feely, and Feely is an abomination. Okay, I'm talking about you know all time worst quarterback play you've ever seen in your in your whole life, and so they they had to actually tuck their tail between their legs. The Dolphins did. And bench Feely for Fiedler, um, and at that point it was it was pretty much that that whole Wanstead Jimmy Johnson era you know was over. It took a nosedive. Do you remember where you were when the Dolphins traded for Ricky Williams, and do you remember how much they traded for him? Um, a running back entering his fourth season. I uh, did not care how much they traded because I was so excited because because <laughs> at the time. You know, like everybody else in the 90s, I thought the only thing you need to win a Super Bowl is a great running back. You know, it, yeah. a guy who can carry it 400 times and, and lead you to the promised land. Pre-2004, it was like a little more credence to that. Right, right. Oh, yeah, I guess this is not the 90s. Yeah, this is 04. And but, he, he yeah. was incredible, by the way. Yeah. So imagine today a team trades for a running back injury-plagued, entering his fourth year, and they send... Two first rounders and a fourth. <laughs> wow. Wow. Yeah. Well, actually, I think he came to the team in 02, by the way. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. 02. Yeah. Yeah. O- 02. He, he goes there. 
the Saints, uh, I guess, were kind of rebuilding in a, in a way that's much more akin to the way some of the, the, the teams now do, including the Miami Dolphins. Um, they, they kind of just broke everything down and were, were able to, yeah, deal Williams for some draft picks. Mike Ditka had gotten fired from the Saints by that point. Um, mm-hmm. Mike Ditka was like a driving force in getting that trade to the Saints. And mm-hmm. I, I do actually love that it happened because it gave us a surprisingly progressive magazine cover. This is the NFL in 1999 where Mike Ditka is holding Ricky Williams. Do you remember what he was? Ricky Williams was wearing in this photo? He's wearing a wedding dress. Yeah, and the photographer said, yeah, he wanted to show how enamored Ditka with, was with Williams. And I was like, that's the perfect photo. They dealt so many draft picks to move up and get Ricky. It was uh, it, it was a great photo on a lot of levels. Uh, one, I think it showed that Ricky Williams like basically didn't care what anyone thought about him and, and, and was subversive in a lot of ways that you didn't, you didn't really know and, uh, unless you were really, I guess, following him closely in college. It also was, you know, comical on a level because you have the most alpha male of all time, I Mike know. Ditka, the highest T, dangerously high testosterone yeah. levels, uh, off the charts, really, and he's sitting there with his prized football player w- wearing a wedding dress. I mean, th- th- Mike Ditka is a guy that Miller Lite recruited in the 80s. To do not recruited, but paid obviously to do ads for them on TV to make it okay for insecure men to drink light oh, beer right. because because light beer was considered a women's a woman's drink until that point. Oh my God, that was Miller. I forgot. So he he put the tea in Miller Light. He <laughs> <laughs> he uh, had fun with the idea. He's like, yeah, you know, I traded uh, war chest for Ricky Williams. And then, uh, yeah, Rick Williams gets traded. The Dolphins to trade their own war chest to get a running back right before the rule changes in 2004, passing the ball getting easier yeah. at that point. 2005, Juan Stett, I, I guess he, he resigned or was let go. But right before that, uh, to, to keep the high T rolling, Juan Stett, who, who actually was Jimmy Johnson's defensive coordinator with the 90s Cowboys. They're, mm-hmm. you know, I guess they're basically trying to do the Cowboys dynasty on the, on the beach. So Jimmy Johnson has wants to replace him as head coach. So there's that Williams trade. Then where uh, the Anquan Bolden draft, he was available in the second round. Rick Spielman was the Dolphins general manager at the time. Yeah, he would go on to the to the Vikings. Rick Spielman wanted Anquan Bolden. Dave Wanstead somehow as the coach had a uh, power to overrule his GM on draft picks. Wow. And uh, made them take a linebacker who would only play a couple seasons. Basically, you have just the high T steamroll, the, the Dolphins <laughs> in the early 2000s at that, that point. And that was, I guess, one of the last draws and them losing you know, both Wanstead and, and then Spielman just like wanting out, I'm guessing. Right. So so back back to the, the 99 game. So you have the Bills. The, the Bills are not the Bills of the Super Bowl years. The, the, these This is a basically a totally different rost, roster, except for Thurman Thomas is still on the team, right? Yep, in that game he breaks the playoff touchdown record, and oh, okay. there's no there's no ceremony or anything. They uh-huh. don't stop the game. Instead, it's just a quick shot to him flicking off the other team, and then ABC going to commercial as fast as they can. He, uh, yeah, no, I mean there, there was real, you know, yeah, talking about that game, the the hatred that the two teams had for each other yeah. re- remained, remained, oh, and, yeah. and you know when you're a a team, a fan of a team. Uh, I think that you can, and a lot of people listening, I'm sure, have been there. 
you get so fired up in in the heat of the moment, in the heat of competition, of rooting for your side to win, that you say things that you later regret and really make you call into question your yourself. Yeah. <laughs> like the, the the calling you know your maybe your sanity or morality. You say you say honestly the worst things that you can possibly think of about these players, and that's and I found myself doing that with the Bills more than any team. I despised the Bills like like no other. I I rooted I actively rooted against them no matter who they were playing. I de- it didn't matter. I um I loved when I was a kid. I loved those two Cowboys Bills Super Bowls because it was a total humiliation for the guys that had absolutely owned my favorite team and my favorite player, Dan Marino, over and over and over. Marino never, ever got the best of the Bills. They always got him. Marino would have one last laugh on this day. Do you remember where you were when the Bills went into Miami, AFC Championship, knocked out the Bills on the way to the Super Bowl? You, you, wait, you know, you mean the Bills went into Miami and knocked off the Dolphins? Yeah. 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 I, I, was, I was watching that. I was sick. And I was watching it in my in my bedroom by myself, and um, feeling you know more sick by by the minute because the Dolphins had a really good team that year. I think they actually, for once, the Dolphins had a pretty good uh, defense and a decent running game. Um, you know, usually it was just an awful defense and Marino throwing it 50 times a game. And if they didn't score 30 points, they would lose. Um, so that was devastating. Yeah. Actually, I'm looking now, 1992 playoffs, so yeah, January 93, yep. Um, yeah. And then they go on, yeah, get smashed by the Cowboys and Jimmy Johnson. Yeah, right. Now on your side, mm-hmm. in 1999, you also have Jimmy Johnson versus Doug Flutie, which yeah. uh, the, the replay of the, the Hale Flutie from uh, Boston College versus Miami, Bills, Dolphins rivalry, Bills knocking the Dolphins out of the playoffs three times. In, in that decade so far yeah man it, that that was that was a rough that was a rough time because you, you know you just want i remember the dolphins played the bills on monday night once and my dad took me to a bar which is very responsible <laughs> and you know i was sitting there probably inhaling secondhand smoke by you know by the second um uh, but no matter uh we really thought the dolphins could pull it out and they and they did not they did not they did not do it um uh, the Bills just continually, continually won because they they always had the better uh, the better t- overall team. You know, they like the Bills had great special teams. They had uh, they had an incredible running game. Went back when a running game really mattered a lot. Um, they had a quarterback who who rare, rarely made mistakes. You know, and um, and the Dolphins were never really designed like that because because they had Marino and and I think that they designed their team around. 1986 Marino, not, you know, not older, decrepit Marino, which which was unfortunate that they were still trying that, you you know, trying to use that formula, um, in, you know, in the late 90s, even, you know, and, but you like you said, with Kareem Abdul-Jabbar, um, it was frustrating. It was infuriating at times to watch them hand the ball off to him 30 times a game for 95 yards, you know. Um, but that obviously was some sort of, I think, some sort of nod to the fact that, like, Marino can't do it anymore, you know, and his, maybe his arm strength had diminished. Um, definitely his mobility was laughable at that point. It was Drew Bledsoe-esque. 
Um, and uh, and so they decided to just hammer it with this smallish, you know, uh, running back Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. It was it was not fun to watch. If DraftKings was around, then this is a segment I want to get running on this podcast called it's called Who's Popping in Your Model? And um, <laughs> uh, Ronda Gaston was popping in my model. I think Dan Marino, I actually might give him a little more credit. I think like Tom, Tom Brady's probably the lowest price quarterback for wildcard weekend. I think Dan Marino might be a little more closer to mid price. Still, they were still um, piling up passing yards a bit. Like he wasn't chucking it like he used to, but I think he was like around 11th, 12th in like pass yards per game. And they had a couple weeks prior beaten the eventual Super Bowl champion Denver Broncos with oh, uh, four touchdowns by Marino. Right on Monday night, that was amazing. God, that was a great game. I I I freaked out because my friend at school was a longtime Broncos and Elway truther, and so it was the one time I got to gloat because obviously his guy had won had already you know by '99 his guy had already won two Super Bowls and retired, and and my my guy was a, a, a shadow of his former great self desperately trying to make the playoffs every year so that, that but that that one game man that was that was amazing a little known receiver real real skinny tall dude i think caught two of those touchdowns um in that in that game it was it was pretty incredible can i tell you a story real quick about ronda Gadsden? Oh, absolutely <clears throat> all right i'm not proud of this and i don't even know if i've ever said this on air oh. but I was really like deeply into my Dolphins fanhood in like 2001 and basically the start of the Wanstead era. Like I really, really believed I used to stream Wanstead press conferences before streaming was even really a thing. Like it like my computer was going to explode when I was (laughs) watching these things, but but it didn't matter to me. I wanted to hear everything that the coach had to say. So Aranda Gatson had dropped two critical passes late in the game against I think against the Chargers that year in in 01 or 02 and i found his email address i i i somehow found his oh he had a personal website where he sold clothing i think and i found the email and i sent him an email from my aol account which was called finn 5308721 at aol.com so many numbers you know, while you are my favorite player on the team, which I I don't know if that was actually true or not, but I said it. I said I'm I, I can't believe you dropped those two passes. I think you really need to work on your hands. Oh wow! Well, you started with the honey, you know, and then yeah, <laughs> yeah. I okay. So I'm 17 at the time. I first of all, I'm just, what a brat. What an honestly, I, I if I could go back in time, I would absolutely slap myself across the face for writing that email. He writes back, "Oh, thanks, man. Thanks for being a fan." Signed, Aranda. Oh, and so he, so he totally owned me. By the way, yeah. I mean, like completely, like that's the worst way he could have responded because he, you know, completely sloughed off my criticism, my undue teenage criticism um and and said thanks for being a fan so uh aranda gaston has definitely owned me online and and I, i'm not so mad about it honestly i mean yeah it could be a healthy process getting owned online you know re- restorative uh 
and that's cool to, like here like such a good guy because like he was like such a good story too and i think i was reading earlier that playoff game yeah against the bills that wasn't just one extra game gadsden was playing that year he had actually played the arena league season already that year so this was the playoffs was basically his third season of of the 1998-99 year right so he was uh he was one of these receivers that doesn't really exist anymore in the nfl where he was slow he was super slow um but basically he would just post up he was huge and he had big hands and he would just post up smaller um cornerbacks and marino would toss it up and uh gaston would come down with it more often than not and that that's the only thing he did he couldn't outrun anybody had no like had no quickness at all and listen i'm a, I'm a tape grinder before anything so i know these things um, first and foremost, that I, I I grind that film, and, but but it was it's it was funny because it was just like obviously their their plan was Aranda go out box out the dude I'm gonna throw it high you go catch it. Oh yeah, I mean your, your Twitter bio does say tape grinder father husband. <laughs> <laughs> no, you forgot you forgot son father husband. Oh, oh, yes. You, you got to name all the relations that have to do with your gender. I love it. <laughs> father yeah father son husband male cousin <laughs> yeah, right. cousin right. <laughs> guy friend oh, oh. um so gadsden yeah as you're saying the guy and marino would lob it up to 13 seconds in the in the half marino tests out that arm from about his own 19 yard line he, let, he lets go of it i think it goes about 60 yards in the air almost Really? Comes down, snagged by Rondé Gadsden. As he's falling down, it seems like he thinks there's no timeouts left when they do, and they can, can call the timeout, kick the field goal. He throws it behind his head to O.J. McDuffie. And then McDuffie tries to throw it behind his head as he's getting tackled. Doesn't get rid of it. Dolphins are able to call a timeout before the half. No, oh, really? Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I don't remember that, but that, that that's wild. I can't believe Marino could throw it that far. Six years er- earlier, he could probably throw an extra 15, 20, maybe. Um, um, I, I used to have an O.J. McDuffie jersey for whatever reason, by the way. Oh, yeah. I, and uh, also, that 98, uh, I believe he was the leader in receptions. For for what? The NFL? I think for the NFL. I think it was 90. I think it was 90. <laughs> yeah, uh, look, like that- look that up real quick. While I, I'll, I'll keep going. You look that up. O.J. McDuffie right, but- was... <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, he. I mean, he was just. I think he was just basically lined up in the slot and would just catch a bunch of shortish passes. Um, I was wondering if you meant led the team or led the. Yeah, so I, I looked at it earlier. It said ninety led the league, and I was like, that can't be right, just because I have my twenty nineteen lens on. I'm like, no way. I'm looking at it now again. Ninety led the league, two ahead of Marshall or no four ahead of Marshall Falk. In nineteen ninety nine. Nine, or 98 NFL receiving. Yeah, PF ref. OJ McDuffie, 165 targets, also led the league. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, 
the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Damn, really? I mean, I, I get, you That's know, shocking I, I, I wasn't playing fantasy at the time. I didn't even know what fantasy football was in the late 90s, but um that's 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 something i did not know that i think gadston and uh the rookie or lamar thomas uh look splitting but way behind mcduffie in total targets yeah lamar thomas was that guy who caught two touchdowns against denver uh, uh, when they beat when the dolphins beat the broncos oh yeah okay yeah so Gadsden laterals the mcduffie the dolphins this is how crazy the end of the first half was dolphins are up seven six Bills have the ball in the Dolphins' five-yard line. Flutie throws a pick to Marion. Marion returns it to the 20. Eric Molds pulls his face mask almost 180. Uh, and Marion for- was fortunately fine after that. 15-yard penalty, Marino bomb. Alindo Murray, chip shot field goal off the upright. Goes in a half, 7-6 Dolphins. Oh Jimmy Johnson gets some product in his hair. Very windy day. <laughs> Totally different here in the second half, but still not right for another quarter and a half. Well, I mean, look, once the wind is blowing hard, it doesn't really matter how much stuff you put in it. It's just going to blow. It's going to it's going to like solidify in one direction or the other. Like, you know, like uh, something about Mary, you know, something like that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He, he was fighting an uphill battle and he has you know, a high <laughs> standard to keep, you know, the, 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 the head of hair of the 90s. Yeah. So second half bills end up railing from a deficit uh they're down 10 with like three minutes they get down to the goal line andre reed is just short of the goal line gets up really quickly I'm mad that i guess he wasn't called a touchdown bumps into the ref who was also running toward him and kind of above him gets thrown out of the game so a hall of fame receiver right. gets a 15-yard penalty and thrown out of the game when they're on the goal line they have to settle for a field goal can you think of anything that's happened like that since Hall of Fame player getting thrown out of the game in such a key situation on the goal line? No, man, that that that's wild. And now that you mentioned it, I do remember being really, really pumped up at that point because uh, Reed was 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 a fiery dude. Like, um, and so you know, hating the Bills, and you you automatically gravitate to hating the like the most pumped up most psyched up dude on on that team and that that was usually uh reed uh and, and at that point i guess molds had overtaken him as the number one but um yeah but he was still not my favorite guy i think molds actually went into that game as yeah second in yards per reception above randy moss jeez yeah, and second about yeah, and ahead of Randy Moss in receiving yards and yards per target. Moles was balling out. He was probably ADAK. <clears throat> he could have been Michael Thomas territory on on, on Van Duel DraftKings. He was. I, I was thinking that McDuffie might be a guy who was uh, somewhat, you know, like like maybe not as high priced as you might think. But but if he saw 165 targets, he was definitely would have been priced way up there. It was getting that Edelman, uh, yeah, yeah, like second, like high second tier. So uh, for who's 
pop it in your model segment. I'm trying to make a thing uh, if it sticks. So I'll give you a few guys uh, heading into this weekend. On Sunday, capping the weekend, you have Favre versus Young. They're, they're going to be priced up with you know Antonio Freeman, Jerry Rice, Terrell Owens might make a big play at the end of the game. I don't know. Um, <laughs> and then you have Jimmy Smith, the Jaguars, going against Pete Carroll's Patriots defense on Sunday. Who out of those guys, who's popping in your model? I think I think. Um... Oh my God! I can't remember the Jags' quarterback's name. Uh, oh, Mark, Mark Brunel. Mark Brunel. I want to say Steve for some reason. Steve Brunel. His his brother, Steve Brunel. No, Mark. Uh, Mark Brunel. I I think I think I may have gravitated toward. I think my model liked Mark Brunel because he had that that Konami code rushing upside, right? Yeah, he, he did. But an aging veteran was second among quarterbacks in rushing yards that season behind Steve McNair, and he plays that weekend. Can you guess who that was? An aging veteran was second in in passing yards, uh, or in, in QB rushing yards. QB rushing yards. An aging veteran. I mean, are we talking about Steve Young? Yep, second in rushing yards wow. in 1998. QB rushing yards. I, I loved I loved Steve Young back in the oh, day. I, I I always loved watching that guy play. In fact, I, I I got into football in the very twilight of Joe Montana's time with the San Francisco, and. I as a kid, I would I would watch Montana and then I watched Young and I would be like, who wants this bum Montana? I mean, this guy this guy's so washed up. Get him out of here. Get this guy Steve Young in here. Who likes Montana? My dad used to be like, you can't say that about. <laughs> and I was like, this guy's terrible. Just watch him. He's he's no good. Steve Young is way better than him. Please please don't say that in front of in front of other people. <laughs> yeah. Please, please don't say that in front of guests. Yeah. <laughs> They'll they'll know your your they'll know how low your T is. <laughs> uh, and then yeah, so the, and then on the in the Saturday night game, you have another uh, passer who is actually I think I think um, fourth or third or fourth in the league in th- passing yards that season. He's visiting the Dallas Cowboys as seven point underdogs, um, so it's probably gonna get a lot of volume. At Cowboys, this quarterback was in his second year out of Arizona State. Oh, Jake Plummer. Yep. Jake Plummer goes in, seven-point dogs. They murder the Cowboys. Oh, for Arizona. I keep thinking Denver for him, but no, Arizona. So Jake Plummer has knocked Tom Brady out of the playoffs. I think that was 05. And Troy Aikman. Are you serious? Jake Plummer with the Broncos beat the Patriots? Yeah, it was uh it, it was the game where I think I think Broncos were actually at home. And uh there was that play where like I think it was Champ no it wasn't Champ Bailey, there was another Broncos corner ran back like a, a turnover and like right. and it was a Daniel Graham chased him down like eighty yards and knocked the ball out. It was Bailey. I think it was Bailey. Oh, was it Bailey? Okay. And, and 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 he was stripped, and it was clearly out before he crossed the goal line, and it should have been a touchback, and the Patriots would have gone on to win that game um, if that had been called correctly. I think that was before instant replay. Yeah, I remember I remember that being like – and just at the end of that game, being kind of shocked that Jake Plummer had knocked Tom Brady out of the playoffs – and I was doing some research today. I was like, "Oh wait, Jake Plummer's also knocked <laughs> Troy Aikman out of the playoffs. Basically, ended the, t- the Cowboys dynasty. I-, I guess it was more the the Cardinals defense. So they, as big underdogs, win that the, the late game on that Saturday after Dolphins Bills. 
Um, and while Dolphins and uh, or, or while, while Cardinals are getting ready to upset the uh, Cowboys, the Dolphins have a celebration in their locker room that uh, ends up being pre- pretty upsetting. Uh, do you remember what it was? Man, I really don't. So seems like it was just something just purely out of ignorance instead of malice. But Doug Flutie had, had you know, finally found some NFL success that year. Decided to, you know, sell Flutie flakes, or like, fr- like basically frosted flakes, except money goes to for for to autism research. Son's autistic. In the post game uh, celebration, Jimmy Johnson has the team stomp on a box of Flutie flakes, and uh, has to send an apology letter. Um, and the Dolphins spokesperson said that or there was nothing meant by it but Doug Flutie was pretty upset and said that it felt like Jimmy Johnson was stepping on his son oh my god so the, the most embarrassing way to celebrate a playoff when I think I've ever heard that is really I did not know that that is very high tea and also incre- incredibly incredibly rude but again if if Jimmy Johnson did, actually did not know that it was to raise money for autism, no I think I, I think it's I think it's okay. In fact, in fact, the 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 concept of making a cereal of yourself for yourself um, is is I think worthy of being mocked if you end up losing if it's not for that good cause. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, like I, I'm assuming you know if. If you have no idea the you know, what 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 the, the, the any of the funds are going for, and I, I doubt he did. Um, like it, it's almost like a curb your enthusiasm situation where Larry all of a sudden realizes he's an <laughs> asshole, but had no idea until the end of the episode. <laughs> yes, it really is. Oh my god, I can actually hear the music and zooming in on Jimmy Johnson's face when they say, "Jimmy." Flutie Flakes uh, funds go to autism research. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. And so I had to close out with um, a little uh, just aftermath. And then one 1999 uh, trivia question. I think it'll be Rap Rally. Um, But basically, yeah, the next week, Dolphins get murdered by the Denver Broncos. Yeah. 38 to 3, it's so bad. Jimmy Johnson says, I'm done. This changes his mind. So he actually resigns and goes through the whole resignation thing, or I don't or at least like publicly. And then Dan Marino begs Jimmy Johnson to come back. And Wayne Heizanga, the owner, says, I'll get your defensive coordinator from Rudell's days, Dave Wanstead, and he can be your heir apparent. Please come back. They get Jimmy to come back for one more year. And there's they somehow get to the second round, the division round, summarily executed by the Jags. Jimmy oh, yeah. is yeah. retired. They beat Rick Meyer and the Seahawks in round one uh, oh. in Seattle. For, for some reason, they were so bad they had to go to the Seahawks. And um, and then they went to Jacksonville. And um, I, I, can I tell you one yeah. thing about that Jags game? Yeah. Um, by the by the winter of 2000, I had discovered girls, and so nice. I actually spent most of that game talking with a girl I liked in a in a ski lodge during a school trip that that we took, watching the game out of the corner of my eye, and for the first time in my whole 
fan life as my, you know, at that point, uh, nine or 10 years as a fan of the Dolphins. Um, I didn't care. I didn't care what was happening. Wow. I, I, I saw that, that they were down 31 to zero or something at halftime. And I didn't care because my interest was had was elsewhere, and it was the first time that I realized, oh, I can be I can be emotionally functional and okay even if the Dolphins lose. Wow. And my memories of that game are actually pretty good because I was so excited to be able to get to talk to this girl in a one-on-one situation in the ski lodge. Now I'm not. This is not a euphemism at all. Okay, I'm not. I'm not trying to like like play like play it safe here we were actually just sitting there talking over hot chocolate while this game played <laughs> okay. oh wow like it, it, it's not like the ski lodge in the, the last christmas music video there's no hanky panky no oh, oh no oh god <laughs> yeah oh um uh dolly parton and uh, kenny loggins is it no no oh, oh, oh wait let, let, let last christmas Wait, oh last oh last Christmas. Sorry, I thought you were talking about the um the one where they they're talking about the ski lodge with the, in that Dolly Parton song. Oh. No, no, yeah, but no, but last Christmas, yeah, no, George Michael and the Lady in Red. No, it wasn't like that. It was very <laughs> innocent, very very uh um innocent teenage thing and but I was watching my dolphins get massacred by the Jaguars and not caring. It was pretty great. That that's a beautiful coming of age tale. <laughs> it it kind of was. <laughs> And my last one, a little piece of 90s pop culture. Uh, 99 was, was the, the end of a decade. I don't, I don't know if they had as much end of decade content as we had uh, the past few weeks. And, and Danny, you're a, a science fiction novelist. and I read a, a book you're working on. thought it was chilling, deeply moving, fantastic. Um, and I'm sure, yeah, you're probably, uh, oh, you'll, you'll definitely know each of these films. Uh, as of January 1999, three sci-fi films released in the 90s, occupied the top nine and highest-grossing sci-fi movies of all time. Can you guess those three? And I can give you a hint uh, if you want one. Uh, well, let me try to guess. Um, so we got The Matrix. Um, I, I, I think that... No. I think that was... It either... I, I'm not no. sure if that came out ninety. I think it was ninety nine or two thousand, but January ninety nine. I don't... Was it, no, was it, it out yet? No, it hadn't come out. It hadn't come out yet. You're right. Um, okay, so you got um, Terminator. Uh, Terminator Judgment Day uh, was number 10. Really? Yeah. Okay, so three sci-fi movies in the 90s. And, and, and these three sci-fi movies have a tie. Okay. Well, uh, okay, so... Wait, or or tie wait. Bet- a tie between them. Uh, Independence Day? Yep. So the tie might be Will Smith. Uh, oh, Men in Black. Nope, Men, oh. Men in Black. I think it was just outside. God dang. Um, all right, give me a hint. So uh, the hint is they all feature an actor who had a knack for playing roles where he would get sassy about science. <laughs> oh, Jeff Goldblum. Yep. No. <laughs> yes. Yep. Yeah. So, yeah, Independence Day. Okay. I mean, I I was going to say um, the one with uh, Bruce Willis and the asteroid, but I guess that's not one. Um, I'm wondering if huh, maybe sci-fi might be like a loose definition they were using oh, for this. Oh, so Jurassic Park. Yep, one and two. So that's one and two. And then, and then Independence Day. 
Oh, 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 so Jurassic Park 1 and 2, and then, okay, gotcha, 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 gotcha. Yeah. yeah. Uh, shout out to the Data is Beautiful YouTube channel, releases these great uh, <laughs> data visualizations. And uh, yeah, I'll just go, I was watching that the other day, and I was like, oh, crap, that top nine there, everything from the 90s, Jeff Goldblum was in. They, so it, the, Jurassic Park 2 is, is not good, but um, the, the first one's great. They, they make uh jeff goldblum so incredibly handsome in part yeah. two it's it's just it's almost like mind-blowing i mean he's a he's a great looking guy anyway but but he comes on screen in that leather jacket and he's like peak goldblum i'm like oh my god this guy is the best looking guy i've ever seen in my life i cannot believe and because in the first one he you know i mean he's he's handsome in like a like a nerdy way but they they whatever they did to him for part two it, it blew me away i was like is that is that really the same guy i remember as a kid being like who's that guy where, where, did, he, where did he come from <laughs> yeah he i mean he was rocking that leather jacket uh and, and some of those i mean Jurassic park one has some looks that i, I think yeah. need to come back oh oh uh um uh laura dern's uh khaki pants pulled up to like past her belly button yeah <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Maybe not. I, I I can only speak to I can only speak to the to the men's clothing clothing. Probably pretty out of depth on on uh yeah the Laura Dern. Uh, but yeah, Jeff Goldblum uh, with those glasses, with the leather jacket, and and the right amount of hair product, owning the nineties. Too cool. Too cool. Honestly, it's like like I I I can't even like look at the the screen like straight on because it's just. It's too it's too much coolness. I could never be as cool as Jeff Goldblum. Now now or then, really. I mean, now now he makes jazz albums. Are you kidding me? I mean, like like this is like a like so cool. It's it it should be illegal, you know. I I love that guy. This has been another episode of Remember That Game. Please rate, review, subscribe and check out more episodes. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.